We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep Welcome back to another episode of The Roar. And a very happy new year to all of our listeners. We want to thank you, John and I, for sticking by us. I know it's been a rough season, but we appreciate all of you guys for listening. And uh, we can't wait to continue to do this and try to provide as much Panthers analysis as we can. And uh, as always, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. John Ellis. John, what's going on? Hey, happy new year, man. Uh, hope you had a good one and hope it's been good for you so far. Glad to be with you. And I echo your sentiments. It's been a good ride here, hundred plus episodes. And uh, we're, we're here for the long haul folks. It's not, not pretty right now, but we're here to break it down for you. Yeah, I DM'd you after the game. I told you that it was a pretty interesting game. Uh, pretty, I would say a little predictable uh, towards, especially in that second half too. Um, not only just play calling, but just the the way the game kind of finished. Uh, but to me, I mean, it's the same old, same old with this team. I thought there were some interesting things defensively, but... I also think the defensive performance was a little overstated in some respects. Uh, I think it could have been much worse. I, I, they deserve credit for buckling down uh, in the red zone area. But at the same time, the Saints, the, this offense, they haven't scored a touchdown in three games. So this was their first touchdown in, uh, you know, since I think it was week 14. So again, uh, they deserve a lot of credit. They were the team unit that definitely kept them in it but uh, offensively I, I don't know what else to say I mean I thought they started out the game really well I thought their opening script it was just a mixture of really good balance you saw fully defined reads for Darnold he was you know on top of it he made uh, you know the throws that he was expected to and just overall he played really well to start out and then uh, that second drive again, similar situation, good balance. Chuba Hubbard scores a touchdown. They're up ten to three. 
Uh, and then it just went downhill from there. And uh, I, and there were still some moments where I felt like they did a pretty good job um, in the second quarter. Uh, running the ball, you know, it, it wasn't great. I just think the Saints, uh, they did such a really good job of stopping the run. I mean, they have such a strong offensive line. And, and I think the offensive line issues in this game, uh, it's not about any one individual. I just think it's a schematic thing. Like they're not sliding protections the right way. They're not picking up blitzes. They're not, they don't know how to pick up stunts. Like I thought Brady Christensen had a solid game. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see what PFF scores him at. Um, but yeah, let's get into it with your thoughts, uh, John. I mean, this was, you know, a lazy performance. I would say in that second half, uh, I'll, we'll get into more details about it, but what was your kind of general impressions? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, the the opening script was good. I thought Nixon, uh, and I said this during the game, called some good quick read type of options for Sam there in terms of getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, he kept it pretty simple. The first, first drive, you know, 12 plays, 61 yards. That was nice. Uh, you got to finish in the red zone. That's unfortunate, but Give them credit. They opened up the game strong. Uh, and the second drive was even better. I mean, they went, uh, what, 81 yards, I think it was. They started all the way back at the 19-yard line, and that was a nice time-eating drive. 10 plays, 71 yards. And, again, the running game was good early. They did some nice things in terms of gap scheme. They had some pulling blocks there. Uh, good job by Christensen on that touchdown run, getting to the second level on Davis. I thought that was interesting. Um, and I thought Brady, just from – first glance had a pretty solid effort overall against a very good front but you could just sense and this is sort of you know the the identity crisis this offense has first of all the offensive line as a unit I totally agree it's schematic as much as anything and I I think it's part partly due to continuity issues I know this is like their 12th starting line of the season I think Matt Millen had said during the broadcast that was a franchise record that doesn't surprise me because uh, I've watched this team for a long time and I can rarely remember this much rotation. I, we've seen it before. We, we talked about it before, you and I, but this is next level bad in terms of just, you know, the situations they've been in. And I, I give them credit for trying to fight through it, but they also don't scheme things up very well at all. I mean, they just, the slide protections are not there. Uh, the, the, the backs are not doing a good job in terms of picking up some of these blitzes and it's just a mess right now. And, from there, once you get off your script and once you're off your, you know, your first 15, as they call it sometimes uh, in the West Coast genre in terms of scripting your plays out, you're, you're sort of in no man's land with this offense. And Darnold's out there, you know, doing what he can, but he has limitations. His his footwork, again, was bad. Uh, I haven't looked at the all 22, so I'm going to reserve a lot of judgment here on some of the downfield stuff. But just initially looking at it, he doesn't look comfortable. And, you know, this is what, year four, year five for this guy coming up? Uh, I just, again, we're, we're just beating a dead horse here. I just don't see you can build an offense around this guy. And I know Matt Rule disagrees with that. I know the front office might disagree with that, but I just haven't seen it, Billy. So it's disappointing. It was lethargic down the stretch that last gasp drive was some of the worst football I've ever seen in terms of urgency uh apparently they called a hook and ladder on second and 20 okay it's in the defense you know I give them credit yeah to your point they, they fought hard 
they clamped up when they had to. I you know late they got gashed on that run and Kamara hit him on the edge for the touchdown. But I, I they had guys missing too. It's hard to complain about their effort. They've been pretty solid all year long. They've been good enough to be a playoff team on defense. It's just offensively, uh, they have no identity. And then again, you know, firing Joe Brady, you, you want to see some positive momentum after that. And it's been absolutely the opposite. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So I think the you mentioned the first 15, and I think those were the first two drives. And that's, you know, the third drive was, I think, where the game just got away from them offensively. Uh, that was the drive where Darnold was strip sacked by PJ Williams. Uh, Davenport recovered it. Uh, but that, that next drive was pretty key because, like, the defense holds them to a field goal. It's 10 to 6. And th- this, I thought, was a really good play here by the defense. Uh, Paulson Adebo, second and six, Carolina 29 yard line. Uh, and it was just really great coverage by Adebo. I think Donald tries to target DJ Moore, and Adebo just makes a really good play. That brings up third down and third down, Dennis Allen being able to, uh, you know, really show off his arsenal of plays that he can really affect the quarterback. I thought he really did a really good job of just confusing the Panthers' protections and offensive line with stunts and blitzes. And uh, But that play immediately, 94, he – I just Demario Davis walked back the center. Uh, oh, Cam Jordan, yeah. Cam Jordan yeah. beat Taylor Moten. Um, I think Moten actually, or excuse me, Jordan ended up with a sack. But it was just a collective uh, failure by the offensive line on that play. And then, and then again, John, I, I thought the again the defense they held their own. And the next drive, Derek Brown gets a sack on third down. They punt the ball away, and then. This is the key drive, I think. It's 10 to 6, okay? And 338 to go in the half. Abdullah runs for 15 yards on a good power run scheme. 73 was pulling, and it was a good run. But then, first down, Amir Abdullah runs again, zero yards. They go to Hubbard on second and 10, one yard. So now you're down to like the nearly a two-minute warning. You're putting a third and nine situation. I think they try to run a tunnel screen to Shai Smith, in which Donald just throws down because it was going to get blown up. And then they pump the ball away. Um, and the Saints are all the way backed up. And that's when Marcus Callaway just kind of – and this is my issue with the defense, I think, uh, in this game. But offensively, I just want to point that out, that that was just a very critical point in the game. And the conservativeness uh, – it just, I'm not sure. It speaks to a lot of things, which I want to get into as well. But it, the last drive by the Saints, the two minute um, to end the half, my biggest issue with the defense I know you're missing a few corners, uh, but you, this is not a very talented group of wide receivers for the Saints. Like they, they just kept running comebacks, hitches, and curls to Callaway, to Deontay Harris. I don't know. I think he changed his name. I'm not sure what his name is now, but, um, but they kept running those same comeback routes and and the defense is playing like eight yards off coverage. So it just made it really easy for Taysom to, you know, I mean, he got the protection a number of times and he just threw it to them. And I just, I I felt like that two minute drive, it encapsulated a lot of the issues of the defense. Cause you know, the next play he goes 18 yards middle of the field to little Jordan Humphrey. They spiked the ball. They had a third down, another comeback route to Callaway for 15. And they get in field goal range. You get a 41-yard field goal. It's 10-9 to the half. And 
you know, fortunately they get the intentional grounding to start the third quarter, uh, which you know, probably would have put the game away at that point. Uh, and it was a good challenge. And I'm, I'm not sure what the refs were thinking with that ball placement, but at the same time, it, it was just very little chunk plays on these comebacks and hitches. And they didn't seem to make any adjustment towards it um, because at some point, like I know the run defense had a really good game at some point, Kamara and Taysom, even they were going to find their chunk yardage and they did in the fourth quarter. Uh, so Pass defense-wise, I just would have liked to see a little more adjustment. But again, the offensive performance, I mean, it just they, they, they tried to turn it into a field position game with the amount of conservativeness they were doing. And I think that speaks to two things. One, I don't think the offensive philosophy, which is dictated by the head coach, is good enough. Two, I think they know that the quarterback is not good enough either. Um, so that's two things. And you know, the third quarter drive, I mean, they start the ball inside the 10, Hubbard one yard, Darnold incomplete, Darnold complete check down for one yard it just kept going back and forth for a little bit and then finally the saints get a field goal go 12 10 then 18 10 and that's pretty much the game so i think the offensive philosophy that we've been witnessing over the past few weeks since joe brady's gone gone fired has been a reflection not only on the oc but on the head coach and the conservativeness that he wants the team to play with and uh, i'm just not sure that's a good recipe yeah, you you uh, once again nailed it. I mean, we, we talked last week about Joe, uh, not Joe Nixon, Jeff Nixon. Uh, I don't put any blame on him. I mean, this is this is a tough spot for him to be in. He was an OC, a co-OC at Baylor, uh, spent some time as a running back coach in the NFL. But this is uncharted territory for him. It's a good opportunity, obviously, to get in there and to get some experience. But that's kind of where Carolina is at the tail end of year two, Billy, is just getting guys – experience that really aren't up to the challenge <laughs> and that's what's so frustrating about where they've come in this I guess rebuild if you want to call it they they you know Matt one week talks about you know oh it's not really a rebuild you know this and that and then he also talks about oh Luke Keekley's not here James Bradbury is not here we don't have McCaffrey there's other guys that have left and and so you know there's contradicting elements there in terms of the statements he makes but the bigger, you know, messaging is one issue. We've, we've covered that. Folks both know by now what a mess that is. But offensively, you're, you're so spot on here. It, you know, when Joe Brady, I, I, you can't speculate enough about, you know, what happened there. But I, I think if we get down to the crux of it and kind of read the context clues, I think we understand that Matt Rule wanted to do something offensively that maybe Joe Brady didn't uh, align with. And that was what we saw yesterday dumbing it down um you know john fox did this i I made this i go back to fox a lot i I know people get tired of it but fox did this in his first year i mean this was year one after one in 15 and he had to do that to a degree because they had limitations they had rodney pete at quarterback and he was on his last leg and they you know lamar smith at running back and he wasn't great they did have two good receivers in this sort of a way carolina does now but they had limitations and they tailored everything around that. It actually worked down the stretch because they did some things competently in the passing game that, you know, complemented their run attack and it, it did work and they played good defense and it's sort of the same way Carolina is doing now. So there's some parallels there, but in terms of the timeline here, this is the end of year two. And it's frustrating that you're at a point where you're tailoring everything around your limitations and that's, I, I just, you know, Matt can talk about all day long wanting to be a run team, 
wanting to pound the ball, wanting to be tough physically, you know, tough mentally, all that stuff. That's great. That's, that's something you can sell to a college program, I'm sure. And that's what he was at Baylor. That's what he was all about. You know, I, I heard a podcast this week um, with one of his former wide receivers talking about the shift from the Art Bryles to Jim Grobe to Matt Rule and how the offensive philosophy went run heavy. Uh, you know, pro style. And that's just what Matt is. That's the, he's going to Billy, as long as he's here. And I hope people understand this. Th- this is what concerns me about the current trajectory. It, it, the, the wins and losses, it, it sucks. You want to win games. I, I'm not worried about draft position. You want to just get a win at this point to get some positive trajectory going here. But I, I don't trust Matt's philosophy. And I, I don't know if I trust his ability to bring people in and allow them the freedom to operate. And that leads me back to the point we made last week. I, this, if he comes back, which all indications lead me to believe that he probably will, what's the plan on offense? And who's going to come, you know, take Sam Darnold on, head on, because <laughs> he doesn't have a very good track record. I mean, again, he's a veteran here, Billy. This is not a rookie. He's being coddled like a rookie, but he's not. Who's going to take this offense on? And I just I, – I really do think you could see – very realistically, Jeff Nixon right back in that seat next year, which is, again, good for Nixon if that happens. But that's just you're strategically selling yourself short if you do that. And, you know, to your point about, you know, New Orleans, yeah, what they were doing wasn't, you know, groundbreaking, but they were at least pushing the ball. They were at least playing with some sense of tempo and aggression in terms of the passing game. And Carolina, you know, goddamn, Billy. At last drive, I mean, let's. If I'm looking at the stat sheet right, ten plays, eight net yards, and the drive was three and a half minutes. That's that's terrible. No, it, it certainly is, and I think um, it just it, it seems like the execution of when they need to make adjustments on offense, it, it's just simply not there. Like, let's go back to that before the end of the half, that third down and nine that they were setting up the tunnel screen to Shai Smith. If you look at a pre-snap, and I don't have the all 22 either, but pre-snap, the Saints already have three defenders to that side. So it's not, it, I, I'm not sure why they're even calling it. And then on the other side, um, it was a three by one formation. Other side was uh, 84, um, not man hurts. I know he hasn't played for us anymore, but who's 84 for Carolina? I don't even know. Uh, that's Stephen Sullivan. He's a new arrival. Oh, got it. Yeah, the LSU guy. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, he was a, attached, um, you know, isolated on the right side. He was running just like a vertical go route, nine route. Um, but the the alignment by the defense did not dictate throwing a tunnel screen in that situation. So right. I know people were trying to blame Darnold for it. I don't necessarily blame him at all. I just think like the play calling. And again, like, I just, I don't think Nixon is ready to be in this position. And so I think it's fair for you and I to criticize a head coach, but it's also fair for us to realize that I just think the offensive coordinator is way in over his head. And I know that you posted um, or tweeted out that chart uh, looking at, uh, I think of Ted Ashley posted it, something about Joe Brady's, how they performed under Brady versus Joe, Jeff Nixon and, I mean, it, it's uh, it's quite striking. It's terrible. Um, the turnovers are a big thing, too. I mean, you know, this is what Matt talks about, you know, wanting to be secure with the ball and win the turnover battle, and they're they're consistently bad at that. 
that tunnel screenplay, let me let me get into that a little bit. You know, I yeah, again, please without, do. Without looking at the tape, I put some heat on Sam on that, and I I trust your analysis too. I think maybe the the the, the bigger issue with that, we can talk quarterback all day long, and I, I get that it probably wasn't his best moment in terms of quarterbacking, but here's the bigger problem I have with it. They burn a timeout. They're on the sidelines. Matt's chopping it up with Sam. You know, Cam comes over. They're all laughing. Yeah, I heard. They, I saw. I noticed Cam was laughing too. Yeah, I mean, they're all yeah, fine. Everybody's getting paid. It's great. Okay, fine, good. They're all doing their thing, but they break the huddle with nine seconds out of a timeout, and so it's all predetermined, Billy. That's a predetermined play. Otherwise, the tempo is off. So they're breaking the huddle. Sam has no time to really diagnose anything pre-snap, and everything just looked rushed. And discombobulated. Now, the end was coming in, crashing back on the, the tunnel there, and it probably would have gotten blown up. But, you know, Sam, once again, you know, it, it's just a matter of putting your quarterback who has deficiencies in a good position there. And, and again, you burn a timeout, you have time to draw up something on a third and, you know, long, and that's what you come up with. And that, that's, again, just speaks to the, the, the strategic incompetence comparative to like a, a Dennis Allen. Who I, I'm, look, by the way, Dennis Allen has been doing this for a minute, Billy. I mean, we can remember 2017, that playoff game. Allen brought the same kind of pressures late in that game, the delayed blitz stuff that that put Cam Newton in a blender. And that's the same stuff you get with Dennis Allen. And he's not going to be on top of things. So, again, tempo, urgency. Where is it? You're going to burn a timeout. We know that. That's just part of what you do. But if you're going to do that, have a constructive conversation on the sideline. Get the play in get out of the huddle with 20 and give yourself time to make adjustments or, or to at least settle in and, and get things right. But that's to me, if he's breaking the huddle with 10 seconds and, and they snap it right out of a timeout, that that's the play. There's no check with me. There's no opportunity to, to audibleize. I don't know how much freedom Sam has in that regard. Anyway, it doesn't seem like he has much at all. Whereas Teddy last year was, God, he was, he was the damn offensive coordinator at times out there. So it's a matter of trust. That's where you do miss Bridgewater. I'll say that you know, his ability to be competent in terms of pre-snap. But, uh, yeah, I, the, the tempo, the game management, all of it is just so bad right now. And and I think one thing for Nixon, you know, whatever his career ends up being, is that don't be afraid to use the same play multiple times. Like, I think you and I would both agree that the first two drives were very encouraging. Like, you know, to begin the third quarter, why couldn't we just go to those instead of throwing – you know, these run plays that just simply were not working. Like they were forcing, they're scared of Darnold. I don't think anyone can disagree with that. And so in that situation, just give him plays at work. We don't need to just keep looking for plays, you know, you know, as if we're ordering off a waffle house menu, looking for something new each time. It's fine to order, you know, it's fine to order the all-star breakfast each time you go to Waffle House because it's really good and it works. It fills you up. Coach has been ordering a few of those, it looks like. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, let's – I mean, I, I think that's a pretty good stopping point with the offense. Just my opinion on Darnold again. I don't think he did anything dumb in this game that we would classify as like, you know, he didn't have one of his like terrible games like the New England game where oh, – he- yeah, but but they're so handcuffed. And it's no, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. I'm not. Veteran. It's so frustrating. This isn't, like, what, when does this get better for him? It doesn't. This is, oh no, for for sure. Hold, let me just be clear. Let, let me be. No, let me be absolutely clear. I'm. I certainly agree with you. I'm not trying to say that he's not an issue. He absolutely is, and I think the play calling 
um, the conservativeness stems from the coach's lack of trust, no matter what he's saying in press conferences. Okay. My, my thing is this was a pretty competent performance and the fact that they were not going to what worked on those first two drives later in the game shows the inexperience and the inability of this coaching staff to play to your players' strengths. Okay. Now let me just be clear. You know, Darnold has had opportunities to come through in moments and they didn't. I mean, I think both uh, situations, two minute drives at the end of the half and to end the game, I think more at the end of the game, I just say, well, actually, even then, John, the play calling and that situation was just, again, it was just, a, what are you trying to accomplish in that situation? You have 48 seconds. You need to get a touchdown chunk plays, but you're they're running four verts every single time. And you need protection to hold up in that situation. And you obviously don't have the protection. So you, you have to find like safety valves. You don't you, you scheme something up, do some switch releases, do something you know, some dagger concepts that open up the middle of the field. I, I yeah, uh, that's just kind of that's where three, I am with the offense. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's where you missed Joe Brady. That's where you missed Joe Brady in that situation. I know that, you know, the fourth quarter comebacks and situational football hadn't always been great under Joe Brady, but again, he's dealing with a mountain of mess too here in terms of personnel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think you got to be better situationally than that. I, you know, on the micro level, I agree with you. You know, there, there's some things that Sam needs to do better. But, you know, on, on the macro level is what I'm talking about here. And I, I know you agree with me. I'm not calling you out at all. I'm just saying, and I think you agree with me on this. It's just this, they got this guy locked up for next year. And yeah. Who knows how they maneuver that. Maybe they'll find a way to dump that contract. I don't know what their thinking is right now. But, I, again, this is my concern when they went into this deal, and I tried to be optimistic and tried to see the development there. I just don't think they're well-equipped enough to, you know, if Adam Gase, who I think is pretty decent offensive mind, couldn't do it, um, I don't see anybody here that's going to be able to do it. And I just think he's kind of peaked right now. So they are where they are. It sucks, but uh, that's that's the analysis I have. All right. Uh, defensively, um, yeah, I thought, oh, just something random off before I get to the defense. I thought Matt Millen was – Pretty good analyst in that game. I don't know what you thought about him. Uh, yeah, no, I like. I made the point earlier. You know, I grew up on like Matt Millen on on Fox and even on. He used on to be what Dick Stockton and Matt Millen. Yeah, he was really good, and he still is. I know he went through some some health issues. I don't know where he is with that, but you know, I, I thought he, he was. Yeah, he's he's doing games on Big Ten Network, which is a Fox affiliate. He's um, very good. You know, I yeah, like no, he, you know, very very emotional about John Madden. They were very close. I I really enjoyed his commentary. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think people kind of give him a bad rap about, you know, his time as a general manager, which fair enough, it happens. Um, it's not like the Lions have been, you know, an exemplary football institution after they fired him anyway. Um, anyway, uh, he, he made some good points um, on Darnold's footwork and some of his general inaccuracy. He did the same thing with Taysom. So it wasn't necessarily like he was going into biases one way or the other. But, um, you know, defensively, again, I mean, they, they play hard. You, know, you got to give them the credit for that. They did some really interesting things with those stunts. I mean, Derek Brown's sack was a perfectly executed, you know, YGM came inside and opened up that alley for uh, Derek Brown. I know you have a clip of it as well. Uh, but I, I think that this game in the defense was it, the issues with the personnel in the secondary. Uh, you know, Taysom throws a ridiculous duck and Hartsfield can't come down with the interception. You know, Keith Taylor, I 
I like him. I'm a big fan of him. I didn't feel like the coaches put him in a position to, to succeed in this game with the amount of off coverage they were asking of him. Uh, it, it just, I mean, again, Taysom didn't really beat you through the air, but he was just taking those dinks and dunks and those check downs and you know, those comeback rounds. They were open each time for Callaway. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a very, fairly pedestrian performance by a unit that uh, – definitely played well enough to win but at the same time in a game like this you're really looking for that one game-changing play the saints made their game-changing play stripping darnold i was hoping the defense would do the same yeah i was too i mean this has been a part of the problem for this defense is the lack of turnovers um especially over the recent weeks here they just can't generate the kind of turnovers they need and that's something you know, it's asking a lot. I get it. You know, the offense is, you know, consistently punting or turning the ball over. They're they're on short fields. And I, I will say this, you know, when they've been put in those situations um, recently, especially this past week, they did a really good job in, in short change situations of, of turning things around and, you know, getting the getting the offense off the field. But yeah, I mean, they, it, as a whole, you know, they did some good things. I thought YGM, we talked about him for the last few weeks, him inside at three technique. They did some. He's improving. Cool with him. Yeah, I agree. And he's, he's sort of taking that FA Obata role in terms of they can move him around, you know, between edge, three technique. Uh, he's very versatile. He's got enough strength to hold up inside. And they, they do a lot of stunts, ET games with him. And he's been very good at that. That one Derek Brown sag, I think you, you talked about earlier, he was a big part of opening that up and, and eating up space for that. So I, I like what they're doing, but, you know, it, it's just, you know, they didn't have a son Reddick. They're missing some pieces in the secondary. You know, A.J. Boye is a big loss, Dante Jackson. Um, they were short a couple of safeties in this game. So they came in, you know, rotating a lot of guys. Shaq wasn't really 100%, I don't think. So they, they started uh, – 47 Walker, I'm sorry, Martin, um, the kid from Green Bay they picked up. And, you know, there were some missed angles there on the run game and, and the, the, the some of the quick passing stuff they did. But overall, it's it's fine. You know, they're, they're staying competitive. I, I, I said this earlier, I think some of the veterans on defense, just uh, people I talked to in the know, Billy, just, you know, they're, they're what Shaq Thompson said last night in his press conference kind of resonated with me. You know, he was very direct. You know, he didn't say directly, no, they haven't lost the locker room. But, yeah, there's a lot of frustration. Um, they're fighting their asses off, keep pounding, all the things you want to hear from a leader. And I think, you know, guys like Burns are the same way. Um, I think Chin is a good leader back there. It's a bigger conversation we can have about leadership structure with this team. You know, it's interesting. Part, part of the discussion coming into this new era was who were going to be the guys to carry the torch um, from, like, Keekley and Thomas Davis, Greg Olson, uh, God, Cam Newton, who's now, you know, backing up Sam Darnold, which is amazing. <laughs> but, you know, who are going to be the guys that are really the core leadership group? And I think you find most of them on defense now, whereas on offense, you know, you hear a lot of excuses and a lot of coddling defense. There's no excuses. Nobody's you know saying, you know, yeah, the offense is doing this. We need to do a better job here. They're just like, fuck it. You know, we, we got to do better. We got to get off the field. This isn't acceptable. And uh, I give them a lot of credit for that on the sort of motivational side. But, yeah, schematically, I think they can do some things better in coverage. Uh, they gave up way too much ground in terms of, you know, those comeback routes you talked about. And it was very predictable. And, and Taysom Hill, of all people, ate him up on it. So it was frustrating. But, yeah, I think overall I have a hard time putting a lot of blame on the defense. 
No, I, I certainly don't want to say that they were the issue or they're a problem. I, I, ju- I just want to be fair. I just think there's moments where they could have performed better. Again, this is a Saints team that did not score a touchdown the past three weeks. And I know they had QB issues um, against the Dolphins, but uh, even against the Buccaneers, uh, a fairly formidable defense, they had Taysom out there and he wasn't really you know, laying, laying them up. Um, I just would have preferred uh, a little bit more aggressiveness uh, on, you know, for, especially from the secondary. Uh, you just have to trust your players. And I think one thing, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they try to, you know, say we're too negative on the team. I will say uh, just looking forward to the future here. I mean, they don't really necessarily, in my opinion, I'm not sure they have any blue chip talent first or second year. I think JC Horn probably is the best uh, chance to become a blue chip player uh, from the past two draft classes. But, you know, he obviously has to get on the field and stay healthy. Uh, But some of the other young contributors, they're really stepping into their own. Obviously chin we know about, but you know, YGM, Again, another good day. And I think two rookies who had a pretty decent day yesterday were Terrace Marshall. Uh, he had that really nice reception. And I, it's just crazy that they don't target him more. And I think that's just a product of the quarterback and coaching as opposed to anything about Marshall. I mean, he's a good player. I, I still really believe that if you get just competent coaching and a QB, I think he'll really shine. And uh, I thought he had a good game yesterday. And obviously Christensen, he played really well and uh, we've seen Trumbull do some good things too. Uh, so I, I, I do think there's some young pieces foundational pieces, maybe not the blue chip players you're looking for, but uh, so much of it, it, it's just about just opportunity and uh, coaching uh, at this stage. And I think their player procurement process has been fine. It, it's just the other stuff that really need to elevate this team into an area where they can really start competing. I agree, and I just to be clear, I, I don't think you're you know saying that the defense is is overly to blame here. That's not it at all. I I think I agree with you totally in terms of you know there needs to be some accountability in terms of some of the missteps on that side. But yeah, I mean you know you look at the you talk about procurement. They they did do a good job, I think, in the draft the past couple of years, um, adding some defensive core guys that they can grow with. And that's positive. I I think I've had a theory here on, in terms of how they're going to reconstruct this roster. And I I don't think you can make it to this level. And as as critical as I am of Matt rule, you know, I I give him the benefit of the doubt to know that he at least understands to to a degree that this offensive line is completely unsustainable. And I think they kind of knew that coming in. Um, They had to have known it. I mean, with, with Cam Irving, Pat Elfline, these were guys you're going to talk up in the media, but, these are guys they probably knows are journeymen and they're just not, you know, top tier guys or even to, to some degree, you know, consistent guys at that, you know, position respectively. So um, I've had a theory that, you know, when, when the cap sort of clears up a little bit and they do have a little bit of room to play with now, you know, with some of the dead money coming off the books that, you know, sort of the, the push would be to find some better veteran acquisitions and, and dump most of their free agent money into the line coming up this season. I'll have to take a closer look, honestly, and see who's available. Um, but that's even, you know, tenuous at best to think that. I mean, because that that's a really strange way to construct a roster. They, they're just so poorly constructed right now in terms of the trenches offensively. They, they don't – coming into the season, they weren't there, Billy. I mean, they had Taylor Moten. They got him signed, and that's great. But they other than that, they just 
it was always going to be a long haul. And we put a lot of the blame on the quarterback. Whoever's been in there has had to deal with it. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a worse pass protection unit with this team in 26 and a half years. I just don't think I've seen it. But they got a lot to work on, man. Yeah, and I, I think as we close out here, um, you know, we haven't – we'll talk about team building in other areas in the offseason, but I just think – yeah, there was a report for me and Rappaport, and I don't know how much to believe him or not. Again, you have to remember Rappaport and the agenda that he has. He's a very good insider, especially when it comes to free agency and just getting news first. But at the same time, he does work for the owners. He is employed by NFL.com. So I want to make that clear. He's not a Jake Glazer or Adam Schefter. Um, so you just have to be careful about whenever you read reports that are coming directly from uh, the mothership. But he did say that he expects Matt Rule to come back and – there could be like some coaching changes. And and again, I, I just think like whenever you tell a coach to make changes on his or her, on his side of the ball, um, or especially like on one side of the ball, at least, which is going to be the offensive side. It's something we've talked about for weeks later, but like which coaches, I mean, I, I understand it's one franchise out of 32, but which coach wants to come in here and work in a situation where you're going to be forced to win yeah i i, I agree it, the, the, they just they're not well positioned to recruit right now in terms of a lot of areas and we're going to get into the team building I, I know and and all that in the off season which is uh you know only a week away now but um you know it, it's just it, it's frustrating for that end because you know, you're trying to give fans some hope here at least you know our job is not to do that. Our job is just to break down the games and talk about our point of view from what we see. But, you know, I always try to give fans a little bit of, you know, positive momentum and hope. And I think there's some some good things to build on, especially defensively. But I, I think offensively they have a real identity crisis right now. And it stems from the top. And I, I just don't know. Your, your talent pool you're going to be able to choose from in terms of who calls the plays next year has been whittled down significantly because people around the league talk, Billy, and they start to chirp, and people notice things too. It's not just us. I mean, scouts watch these games. Coaches watch these games. They they talk to other coaches. And I just think, you know, the, the comment that, once again, Matt made about going out of his comfort zone to find a, a offensive coordinator – He's going to really have to do that now to get things moving in a good direction. And, and the whole point of it is, you know, well, let's bring Matt back and let's strip him of power and let's, you know, give somebody else. What, what are you getting at that point? What What's the net return when you bring this guy back and you're just substituting pieces around him? He's still the head coach. He's still going to have his ideas and his philosophy. So what you see right now offensively, I don't think we'll stray too much next year. Hopefully the, the competency is better in the offensive line. Hopefully Darnold can get back to doing what he was doing early in the year and, and they can be more efficient. But I think Joe Brady had a heavy hand in that too, and that, that's gone now. So um, I, I'm a little bit um, out of hope on that side, on the offensive side. Defensively, I, I think they'll continue to move in a pretty good direction if they come back with this staff. But offensively, I have a lot of questions. Yep, totally agree with you, John. Um, anything you want to get off your chest before we close out here? No, I just want to, you know, again, like we said, thanks to everybody who supports the show. You know, Billy and I have been doing this since, you know, the summer of 2020. This is 106 episodes now. And, uh, you know, Panther fans just 
try to keep your chin up. I know it's a tough stretch right now. This is a rough patch for this team. There's not a lot of answers that we can give you right now, but uh, our job is just to break down the minute by minute of what's going on and try to project what maybe will happen. And that's kind of where we're at. So thanks to everybody for, for hanging in there with us. Yep. I'm going to echo those sentiments as well. Uh, again, thank you everyone for joining and uh, you know, one more week left. We'll be sure to wrap up the end of the season here and keep you posted on if anything changes with this organization. All right. Thank you. And thanks for listening.